0: He covers the Denver Nuggets for a DNVR Sports. Now we welcome Harrison Nguyen onto the show. Thanks for joining us, Harrison.
1: Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: So Harrison, we, we really wanted to have you on because we wanted to get your perspective of, of the Denver Nuggets from when the pandemic first hit to when the, the Nuggets um Participated in a bubble. So let's start from the beginning uh, on March 11th when the the Mavericks were playing the Denver Nuggets. Um, I believe in Dallas. Uh, what were your impressions? What emotions were you going through when you heard that um, the game was suspended? Um, what kind of perspective can you bring in terms of when the pandemic first hit the NBA? Oh man,
1: it seems like a decade ago right now, let alone just uh, several months. But This might sound weird to say, but I I can't say I was totally surprised. I I mean, if you had just been paying attention to kind of how the virus tore through Europe and uh, how how the United States was next kind of in that collision course, you knew life was going to be altered or it definitely seemed that way. And I remember a couple days before that Dallas game, the Nuggets had a home game. And I remember just talking to other media at that game, talking to, you know, some Nugget staffers, it definitely seemed like that was going to be the last game with fans. Um, you know, that road trip coming up in Dallas. And I had just thought that that last home game was going to be the last game I might be at this season. Uh, that just seemed like the way things were heading. And then just watching that series of events unfold uh, when the Nuggets were in Dallas that night. And of course what happened between the jazz and the thunder uh, it was wild. It was surreal. It was definitely a, a moment in time. And, um, you know, I don't know when we'll get back to that sense of normalcy. I hope we can have fans at games next season. I hope we can have media at games next season. But, yeah, just, just that uncertainty is crazy. So it's been um, it's been a wild I don't e- I don't even
0: know how many months it's been six
1: months, seven months. It's been a wild time.
0: It has. It's felt like three years. <laughs> um, this year has just been uh, really just going by extremely slowly. But it was extremely interesting to, to see which teams were able to adapt to the bubble environment. And I think the Nuggets were one of those teams that that thrived um, in that environment. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on how the Nuggets performed um, considering – that the season was turned upside down and there wasn't even a guarantee that there wouldn't even be a conclusion to this season. Do you think the Nuggets can kind of build um, from their experience? And this, this turns out to be a kind of a blessing in disguise, or um, is it being too a little bit blown out of proportion? Once things get back to normal, um, the Nuggets will kind of uh, just proceed um, as normal.
1: Oh, I think it's a, definitely a jumping off point. You know for the organization if you look at where they could have been and what the conversation around the team would have been this offseason if they would not have, you know, won games five, six, and seven against Utah, uh, compared to what it is right now after they got to the Western Conference Finals. I think it's two drastically different, uh, just kind of narratives and feelings and emotions around the team right now. Uh, After a trip to the Western Conference Finals, I mean, uh, I don't think this team is going to make too many drastic changes. Uh, I think they believe in their core. Uh, I think they believe in a lot of the guys they have surrounding that core. And they'll look to make tweaks. They'll look to make some additions that could help uh, their roster. But if they would have lost that series to Utah, I I could have seen potentially drastic changes coming. Uh, but now that they advanced to where they did, they went on the run that they did. They beat the Clippers, a legit championship contender. That wasn't something they did in the, their playoff run last season when they beat San Antonio and in Port- in Portland. Those teams were not nearly up to the caliber of opponent that the Clippers were. Now the Nuggets can look at this and say, okay, we're right on the doorstep. Uh, we have the main pieces in place, we have the core in place. Uh, we just need some tweaks, we just need to play better. And I think what they did this season is definitely going to have a carryover effect next year and what they're going to do this off season too. Harrison, can you speak to expectations
2: for next year? I think maybe the casual basketball fan and – even people who are more invested in the Nuggets specifically, like a lot of folks in Albuquerque since since we're close to Denver. I mean, we kind of been cheering on the Nuggets. I know Justin and myself had been uh, throughout the bubble, and it's just been fun to watch that core develop since they, they do have some good continuity on the roster. Uh, however, that core is also very young, as you know. Do mm-hmm. you think that... I'm trying to think how to word this. What do you think the volatility is of this team in relying on such a young core? What are the chances that you think um, the Nuggets have, you know, barring some kind of awful injury or something we, we can't foresee. What do you think are the, what's the overall volatility of this team? And is there a chance for regression uh, rather than, you know, what I think most people would expect would be, Uh, continued progress as one of the top three seeds in the West.
1: Yeah. I I think if you're talking about potential regression, it's more so as what the rest of the conference is doing than what this team is going to look like next season. Like you could say the nuggets could regress. Like there could be a scenario where the nuggets do regress in terms of they don't make it back to the Western conference finals just because the West is going to be tougher next year. You've got the warriors, who are going to be back in the playoffs. Most likely um, I think really the only team or maybe the only two teams that made the playoffs this year that are probably going to take a step back, the rockets and the thunder. But you know, you've got teams outside the playoffs, the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, that the Suns, who had a great showing in the seating round, the bubble that are going to be on the rise. So I think there's a bigger chance of regression of regression, not because of this actual team, but, just because of what might be going around, on around this team in the Western Conference, and you never know how the playoff matchups are going to sort out, and Denver could get a bad matchup in like in the first or second round, that could happen. Um, sure, but, but you know that's more so out of the Nuggets' control. I think the Nuggets look at their roster and say, "Okay, we have our two best players, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. With those two players, you know, regardless of what kind of goes on around them." maybe even regardless of how bad the injury luck is around those guys. If we ride those two guys throughout a regular season, we're going to be firmly in the playoff mix. I think the Nuggets have one of the highest floors, just having Nikola Jokic, how durable he is, even Jamal Murray, how durable he is. He hates to miss games as well. Um, Just having those two guys and, the level that they've played at these last two years, the level they played at in the playoffs these last years, this team has an incredibly high floor. So the pieces can kind of shuffle around them. But having those two guys going forward, and they're under contract, you know, both them for the next four years each. Um, so having those two in place, I think this team is going to be a fixture in the playoffs. Um, and they should be a championship contender uh, with these two guys heading into their primes. I
2: tend to agree with you. I mean, having that dynamic duo is just so important in the NBA, and it seems like the Nuggets have that. Um, I, I wanted to ask you specifically about those two, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. I mean, we know that during that break, that delay in the season, uh, when the pandemic was making its way to the U.S. and when the NBA was was canceled for a little while there, um, you know, Jokic, we, <laughs> we saw him... Um, it felt like all of a sudden in the summer, there, there was just all of a sudden skinny Jokic, who we weren't, we weren't used to. And it was, um, at least for me, speaking for myself, pretty shocking to see that. Um, and then, of course, we saw Jamal Murray in the bubble really make a turn. I mean, a lot of people giving comparisons to Steph Curry from some of those you 60-point know, games he was dropping. Um, can, can you give us some insight on what their process was? during that break or maybe some things that, that we didn't hear about that those guys were doing.
1: Yeah. Well, with Nicola, obviously when the pictures came out uh, of him, uh, back home, uh, at an ex- exhibition game that kind of honored his former coach, those pictures blew up the internet. Uh, but yeah. the reality is, and you know, what a lot of people miss that don't kind of cover the team day in and day out and don't watch it and don't see the behind the scenes workings of the team. This was a process of speaking about his weight loss. This was a process that started back in December. He got beat up by Anthony Davis in a home loss to the Lakers back in December. From that point on, he was going up to the weight room after games, working out, then coming down and doing media just drenched in sweat, he would do that after every game, and he kind of recommitted himself. At least that's my belief at, at that point. I uh, just mm. to just kind of taking the regular season a little more seriously, and, and I just think kind of getting worked over by Anthony Davis in that one game kind of shifted things for him. Um, mm-hmm. So, so
2: that was the, the wake up call.
1: Yeah, so the weight loss weight loss was kind of a whole process, and if you remember, like the first couple months of the season, Jokic was. You know, he was a little asleep. He came into camp a little overweight, kind of got out of the gates a little slow, like he's done over these last couple regular seasons. But that was kind of the turning point for him. Uh, So that's when the weight loss started. And it just really continued steadily. To to be quite honest, guys, it continued steadily over the next several months. And uh, I guess people hadn't seen him in a while. And those pictures definitely made him look really skinny. But (laughs) it didn't just all happen in, you know, that three-month period of quarantine. It had been a process. And uh, I guess when it comes to Jamal, Jamal is like the type of guy who just lives, breathes, and eats basketball. He's just addicted to basketball. And over the break, he just kind of recommitted himself to watching a lot more film, breaking down his game. And you could tell from the minute he entered his the bubble, his mindset was just like on another level, he was so focused on what he had to do. He was, you know, only one of a few nuggets players because coronavirus just tore through this team to be in the bubble from the very beginning. And you could just tell he was just on a mission the second he got down there and he was even hurt a little during the seating round, but he just played, I think in maybe one or two games and he was great in those two games. And obviously that carried over into the playoffs. And then, you know, you could just kind of tell his focus th- throughout that first round against the jazz. And the moment that will always stick out to me from this playoffs, like my number one memory is his post game after uh, game six, um, when he just got really emotional. And uh, it was obviously just after uh, the bucks, you know, didn't choose to play that game in their series and kind of the ripple effects from that. And that three day break that the league took and, just kind of his focus and his maturity. I feel like he took a leap on the court with his production, but off the court with just his leadership and finding his voice as well.
0: And and speaking to that with Jamal Murray, I, I thought his performance was incredible, him and Damian mm-hmm. Lillard. Um, and I want to ask you about Murray moving forward as him as a superstar player. Um, where do you see him in terms of not only the Nuggets, but the NBA? Because, that was a superstar performance in, in the bubble. Do you see him like being mentioned in, in like those top elite players, um, or do you think the small market's going to hurt him? Because even we see with Damian Lillard, he, I, I think he's an elite player in the league, but yet you hear others get mentioned ahead of him. Is, is Jamal Murray destined for the same fate, or do you think he has enough to, to, to crack through in terms of his popularity?
1: Yeah, it's funny. We were actually talking about this on uh, our podcast, the DMVR Nuggets podcast last week, and we were like, what would it take for Jamal Murray to make an All-Star team this year? And um, I think the thing we settled on, was we were like, yeah, he probably has to average like 24, maybe uh, at least that in terms of just points per game. But the most important thing would be, like if the Nuggets are the one seed in the West – they'd get two all-stars. So like Jamal could have a great regular season, but I I really do think the number one thing that's gonna kind of vault him up a tier will be if the nuggets keep having this type of success. Like if the nuggets go out and just blitz through the West next year, get the one seed win, like 60 games, which I actually think is possible. Mm -hmm. I I think that helps his ascension as well. Uh, But just speaking about him on an individual level, even going back a couple of years, I thought Jamal Murray had a ceiling between like a Damian Lillard and Steph Curry type player. Um, obviously in the bubble, he was that. And I think we're going to enter next season with a bit of a, like prove it mentality. Okay. You shot X percentage in the bubble in a perfect shooters environment. What let's see what you can do, you know, in a normal regular season environment and normal arenas and stuff like that. Um, but, man, I, I think he can definitely be, you know, an all-star as soon as next year. Uh, I think he can be an all-NBA, all-NBA guy, too, you know, if he just keeps this momentum
0: going. And you mentioned the Nuggets being a elite team um, in the Western Conference. What do you think is needed for them to to achieve that level? Do you think the team that's currently constructed um, can, you know, overcome the Lakers next season? Or do you, or do you think they need a, a missing piece? Or do you think some um, offseason moves are needed um, in order to ultimately dethrone the Lakers?
1: Yeah, I think if the Nuggets run it back, and I, I think they'll maybe look to make a-, a addition here or there with the mid-level exception or, you know, get a guy off the bench. I, I think they'll enter next season clearly a tier below the Lakers still. Um, now, if they were able to, you know, swing a deal for Drew Holiday, who's been you know, who the Nuggets have had their eye on for like almost a year now. Yeah, I think that could put them very close to that Lakers tier. Um, but the most important thing for the Nuggets next season and a way they can bridge the gap between themselves and the Lakers without going out and making a huge uh, transaction this offseason, it's Michael Porter Jr. If he ascends, if he has a leap in him, This regular season, if he becomes that bona fide third guy with Denver at the starting small forward spot, which I think he will be on opening night this coming season, if he kind of takes hold of that and, you know, becomes like a 15 to 17 point scorer, which I think he can do next season, if he improves defensively, that, in my opinion, is the biggest way the Nuggets can kind of grow and uh, get more in reach of the Lakers.
2: Yeah, it seems like a, a lot is um, kind of tied up in that core, which is a great thing since they're young. Uh, do you have any insight into, with Paul Millsap, do you think um, he is brought back to this Nuggets team? Do you have any sense on on his status, or is that maybe they use um, some of the, the money from his expiring contract to fill another need?
1: So I think they'd like to bring him back, and this year all along seemed like a handoff year between Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap at the power forward position. And, you know, even though Jeremy Grant started a lot of the playoffs at three, uh, I think he's going to be the Nuggets starting four on on opening night next season. And Paul Millsap, I think the Nuggets would love to have him if he's willing to come off the bench. And uh, I think he would be willing to do that for this team. Uh, You know, The things with a guy like Paul, you know, he's a veteran guy, uh, mid thirties. He's got a couple young kids who, you know, have spent the last couple years in Denver. I don't think he wants to, you know, be uprooting his life uh, every year to kind of chase a ring. I I think he came to Mm. Denver in 2017 uh, with kind of his sights setting on contending with the Nuggets and potentially retiring here. He he spent time in Denver when he was a young kid, kind of before he, um, you know, went like into high school and started really maturing as a basketball player. But he lived in Denver before. Uh, That was kind of a reason for him coming back as well. And so I I think he wants to see it through in Denver. Uh, I really do. Um, Now, I have to believe that some contenders will come calling. Like, I'm sure the Miami Heat would love to have Paul Millsap. Sure, the Golden State Warriors or the Lakers will love to have Paul Millsap for the mid-level exception. Uh, So Denver might be outbid a little bit in terms of money. I could see that, but I think there's mutual interest in both parties, kind of wanting to see something through here in Denver. Awesome.
2: Um, One more question from for you, at least for me. I I wanted to ask you what it was like to kind of ride and, and cover that roller coaster of. You know, coming up from down three games to one in back-to-back series, uh, and also how great it must have felt to knock off the Clippers after they were favored by. We Justin and I have been estimating maybe about forty percent of the media or so had them as title favorites at least at the start of the season. Um, what was that whole experience like? What was the fan reaction like in Denver? And Um, Can you just speak to how that was to be kind of the bubble playoff darlings?
1: Well, it was wild because the bubble playoffs were obviously every other day. So it was just like every other day uh, of games, you know, for two months, two and a half months. And, you know, there was that aspect of it. And then it seemed like every game the Nuggets were playing. You know, after Game Four against the Jazz and into that Clipper series and, and into the Laker series was just so tense. Uh, like every possession was so important, every basket was so important. Um, it was just a, such, such a high pressure environment for me watching it, and for Nuggets fans as well. I know a lot of them felt the same way. Um, I can't even imagine, you know, what it felt like for the players. They were actually probably less nervous. Then then the people watching it and observing it, but um, it's definitely the type of playoff run that you're going to remember forever because of the three one comebacks first team to ever do that twice in a playoff twice, obviously, and then for just kind of the bubble environment, but it also just seems like a playoff run that you're going to look back on um, if this team, you know, is able to break through and win a championship if this team is able to you know make a multiple finals appearances they're we're going to look back at that playoff run as kind of like the point where we said oh yeah we know this team is a legit threat we know this team is a legit contender
0: And Harrison, uh, one more question um, before we let you go. Um, There's been a lot of rumors by NBA insiders regarding the season um, beginning Christmas Day. Um, There's both pros and cons um, for this happening or around Christmas Day, excuse me. Um, Where do you land on this? Do you think this will be a positive for the Denver Nuggets in terms of not having that break and still being in the groove? Or do you think the Nuggets need like an extended rest?
1: Honestly, I don't mean it to be a cop-out answer, but I think there are positives and negatives for the Nuggets. Uh, the negatives, I mean, I'm sure Nikol Jokic would like a couple more months off. I mean, the guy like just got back to Sombor a month ago. He just got married. Uh, I'm sure he's not chomping at the bit. As other NBA stars, it seems like have already voiced or not chomping at the bit to start up a regular season again. Um, and just with how emotional and taxing that playoff run was, the two, three, one comebacks, um, just being in the bubble for that long. I'm sure they could use just a break mentally just, just to jump back into that environment. Um, would be tough. It would definitely be tough. Now, the fact that the nuggets are a young team, the fact that they are a really deep team. And I think just across the NBA depth, it, it teams are going to use depth differently this coming season than they have in years past. just, There's probably going to be some, you know, three games in five nights and uh, a lot more, a lot of load management that teams are going to have to be creative with. But the fact that Nuggets are a deep team, I think really helps them out. And the motivation also coming off uh, the Western Conference finals loss, getting kind of as close as they did uh, and then failing. I have to think that's eating at these guys to get, you know, back rolling again. So I think that helps them as well. And then the final thing is, Nuggets just have like some guys in Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, and I talked about Jamal in this way a little bit earlier, but they're just so addicted to basketball. um, They just can't wait to get out there again. And I mean, I'm sure if you ask Michael Porter Jr. right now, he would say, yeah, I'm cool with the season starting tomorrow. Um, So I think it's probably a differing opinion across the league and even across every team's roster in terms of if they'd prefer the season to start sooner rather than later. But I think it could help the nuggets in some aspects too.
0: Well, Harrison, thank you very much for your insight. Um, please plug um, your social media handles, anything else you're working on. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me on guys. You can follow me
1: on Twitter at Harrison wind and then over at the DNVR.com. Uh, we're previewing the draft. So breaking down a new draft prospect, each and every day, their strengths, their weaknesses, uh, how they would fit on the Nuggets. So uh, make sure to check that out.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Harrison, for joining us. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
0: Yeah, thanks, Harrison. Take care.